Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. Gentlemen, Nebraska just continues to get commitments. Another one here on Tuesday, July 21st. The Huskers with an addition out of Buford, Georgia. Teammate of one Gabe Irvin. The Huskers have added Malik Williams. I don't know a ton about him. Uh, this is a guy that, that popped up right around the time that Gabe Irvin committed. Uh, that was a name that we started kind of following because it appeared he had a lot of interest in Nebraska, a six-foot, 187-pound defensive back listed as a corner. We know that the recruiting services and where they list defensive backs do not matter to Travis Fisher, so he could end up as a corner or a safety. Chances are he will train at both positions. But, Brian Christofferson, you've talked with Malik Williams. You know a little bit more than I think both Brunts and I. What have you kind of learned here as, as you've chased this one down? Um, he got a lot of inside info from Miles Farmer, a redshirt freshman who is also from Georgia and is on the climb, it appears, uh, in Travis Fisher's room. And Miles Farmer told Malik, this is uh, – this is a good family place. Uh, people have your back here. I like it here. I think you'll like it here. That meant a lot to him because they have been friends since they were like, could barely walk. They, they grew up basically next to each other on the same block in the Atlanta area. They moved away, but they've remained like brothers, as Malik Williams would say it. So I think Miles Farmer's input meant a lot. And then Travis Fisher was talking to him daily. And Scott Frost would come in every Sunday and have a conversation with him. And Nebraska actually offered him quite a while ago, but it's one of those deals where you wonder, is, is it a committable offer, all that stuff? We get into that conversation sometimes. He had a lot of offers from a lot of places last May, if you go back and look at it in 2019. Um, but the other day, you know, Husker coaches called him and said, if, if you're on board, we're on board. And it, he raised his hand immediately to that. So I think he likes the idea of uh, the family vibe he's heard about. He obviously gets to uh, be with his teammate, Gabe Irvin, but just as importantly, his uh, close friend, Miles Farmers here. So he, he'll come here with some connections already in tow. So that might help the process for him. Two, yeah. Uh, two, go ahead, Frunch. I should say two commitments from Buford, Georgia. Is it, uh, was it, Boobraska, is that fair? <laughs> what are we calling the pipeline there? I boo boo is the correct uh, thing for that that phrase you just busted out. Boobraska. Boobraska. Uh, okay. Yeah. What about Nebraford? <laughs> we could do that too. I'm I'm good with either. We could uh, put it out there and see what people think, but. I know we talked about this when, when Irvin committed, but Buford is one of the top programs in the country. Like they mm -hmm. routinely produce D1, high D1 players. Uh, they've sent a lot of guys to Clemson. They've sent guys to Georgia all throughout the SEC and the ACC. And uh, it's a good spot. Nebraska has recruited Buford unsuccessfully for years. It's a good spot to land a couple guys from. And, uh, you know, I, I'm very curious – if that's something that could parlay itself, you know, we, we talk about how there's always a trickle down effect of when you get guys from areas, if they go somewhere and they're successful, it makes it a little bit easier to go back in there and recruit again over time. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if Malik Williams and, and Gabe Irvin have a nice run at Nebraska in the way that Clemson 
obviously much closer proximity wise and certainly at incredible heights in terms of recruiting. But Clemson, even before they were Clemson, was recruiting Buford really, really well. Uh, so th- it's a program that it's certainly a good, good one to get in with. And I'm, I'm curious if that could pay dividends for the Huskers. Speaking of Clemson, um, Malik Williams' older brother, Lee Anthony Williams, uh, is a junior defensive back at Clemson. So uh, there's very good genes in the family. Um, and like I say, you know, he, d- he, he had a pretty good offer list uh, that uh, – really hit hard a year ago and maybe you haven't heard quite as much about him recently as a recruit but as you said at the opening that doesn't deter Travis Fisher he he forms his own evaluations and uh you know we've seen we're seeing that with this class of defensive backs this year and honestly we saw that with like Miles Farmer I mean Miles Farmer was a little more highly rated perhaps than Malik Williams but um it wasn't like everybody knew about Miles Farmer. Now we talk about him a lot since he got the Lincoln, but he, not as a recruit, he wasn't that way. So maybe uh, his close friend is going to follow the same path. We'll see. And he – oh, go ahead. Sorry. We're, <laughs> we're obviously not doing this by video, so we're just yeah. jumping in and out of each other's conversation. I, I, just quickly, I mean, the thing that stands out to me are the measurements. I mean, it's six foot, 187. Um, it, it really does kind of fit the – mold of a Travis Fisher commitment um you know a guy that could play either uh a little a little bit on the rangier side uh that that seems to be uh the the type that that Travis Fisher looks for and you know I I I think you can't overlook the the fact that he does come from a good program I mean I I think when you're you've got a kid that's around those types of players who is used to winning is used to doing the things uh, that you have to do to be a consistent winner. I think those are the kinds of guys that are good to have in your program. They, they get it. And they, they don't need to be uh, kind of sold on, on what you have to do at the next level generally to, to accomplish those things. I, that, that, those are the two things that kind of stand out to me with this, commit, this commitment. Yeah, uh, it- I agree with with all of that. And what is interesting to me, and this is now the third straight defensive back commitment, the Huskers picked up another one on Saturday. This will be the fourth commitment in July. This is what, number 13 or 14 now in the class? 14? Yep, 14, I think. Yeah, and so Nebraska's rolling along, and they added Marquise Buford this past Saturday. BC and I talked about him a little bit last week on Tuesday. Uh, but Buford is a, a talented, a talented guy. Nebraska is getting a commitment out of Buford, Georgia. Their most recent commitment before that was Marquise Buford. I know that's going to be confusing for some of you listening, uh, but uh, a talented defensive back that's going the prep school route at St. Thomas More Prep, uh, same school where they pulled Alante Brown. Second straight year, Nebraska's pulled a guy out of the prep school ranks. Third time out of four cycles, they've taken a player out of prep school. Russ, do you think prep school is a, a potential avenue where Nebraska could grab a guy a year? Is that maybe uh, fills in a little bit where junior college might come up short or where they might not be able to land the right high school guy, but they can get someone who's had a chance to develop for an extra year but doesn't lose eligibility? I think it can be. Um, you know, in Buford's situation, 
you know, he was a guy that, that had a pretty good offer list before, you know, he decided to go the prep school route, uh, which helps. But yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the situations at prep school are kind of unique. I think, I think they can find those guys. I, I think if, uh, you know, the benefit to not pulling a guy out of the junior college, but out of the prep school, you get a little bit more time with them in your program. Um, usually there's, there's not the questions academically about, you know, whether or not they're going to make it, that kind of thing. And, you know, you, you look at the way that Nebraska's staff is right now, um, you know, generally the prep schools uh, that, that you're going to see, you know, Nebraska pulling from are going to be on the East Coast. I think that's where a guy like a Mike Dawson maybe helps you, even though, you know, Nebraska is able to get Alante Brown, uh, you know, without Dawson being on the staff. But I, I think, you know, his connections there help uh you know the, the in the future so why not i mean i i think if you're nebraska you have to find every advantage you can recruiting wise you have to be able to find talent uh in in different places uh than, than the norm i felt obviously you still have to continue to, to recruit the junior colleges but uh you know if there's a guy that makes sense uh out of the prep school ranks uh i think you have to do it and the other problem or the other thing is too a lot of those guys are early enrollees so you know, you're getting uh, an extra spring uh, with them as well in most cases. So why not? Uh, it could be uh, prep Braska uh, going forward. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> annoyed at myself. I chuckled at that. That was bad. BC, save us from that last comment. Give us something good here. Uh, well, I don't know if I will, but I guess what stood out to me as somebody who um, learns a lot from our analysts who see these guys up close is when I was reading what Alan True um, of our 24-7 sports said about Buford and when he would watch him up close you know in one-on-one type situations against some four-star receivers and guys who are pretty high caliber recruits uh, Buford would win a whole lot and a very physical corner uh, would get your hands on you and uh you know, could take guys out of the equation in those drills. And so that kind of jumped out at me because I, I, I think we all agree. He, uh, he seems to be pretty high on him as a guy that some people might be glossing over a little bit more than they should be. And so that, that, that sort of jumped out to me. Yeah, I, I just think it's, uh, it's good to get another really athletic guy. One of the things that stands out to me about Buford is he was good enough to play on either side of the ball. I mean, that's just the kind of athlete that he is. One thing that hasn't come to fruition with Travis Fisher that I distinctly recall talking to him about early on when he was hired in, in 2017 and then again in the spring and in 2018 is he wants guys that can be playmakers on – the defensive side of the ball where like as soon as they have the ball in their hands, they're a threat to potentially score. And so uh, Nebraska hasn't done that a lot, uh, but a guy like Buford could also be a special teams player for you, but he's someone that if he's able to come up with an interception or a fumble recovery, then he becomes dangerous. And uh, UCF thrived on that. They thrived on opportunistic defense. They thrived on guys who were able to turn defense into offense. And I know that that's something that, you know, the first thing that Fisher was, was focused on was they weren't getting, you know, they weren't getting their hands on enough passes. And then it was they weren't getting enough interceptions. And now it's going to be they need to turn those interceptions into not just you've got the ball and you're giving it back to our offense, 
but maybe you're getting to the other side of the field or you're getting into the red zone or you're giving us an even better chance of scoring. And so that's something we probably don't talk about a lot because there's, it's situationally dependent a little bit, but he really does covet athletes that can do a lot with the ball in their hands too, even though they're defensive players. So wanted to toss that in there. Any kind of final uh, thoughts here on what Nebraska has been doing and recruiting in terms of the last month or so, like I said, Four commitments here in July, 14 overall. Uh, I think I asked you guys at one point if you thought they'd get over 15, and I, I believe it was Brunts that I asked this, and he said yes, uh, that he thought that they would. And it certainly seems that way as, as they're sitting at 14 right now and you know, uh, getting over 15 by the start of the season. And so whenever the season does start, we don't have an approximate start date if they don't stick to the, the schedule. Um, it does seem likely that they're going to be in a pretty strong position relative to where they were last year, where they had to have such a strong finish to even hit their numbers. So here's, here's one, here's one for you, Nebraska. The, the thing that came out, you know, in the, in the winter and spring was that this was looking like it was going to be a small class, smaller than what they've had. I mean, you're probably talking low twenties based on, uh, compared with you know 25 26 or whatever are you expecting that based on what's happened with with Jane Francois Henry Gray are you, are you expecting this class to actually grow in size because I mean if you know you're going off that low 20s number Nebraska's getting a, a little tight on spots if you're still going off that number what do you think it feels like to me when <laughs> I don't know, just covering this through the years, it feels like there's always this number that begins like a year before signing day where it's lower. And then you can almost bet on it always creeping up a couple spots. And so I almost always expect that. So I kind of do again, yeah. Um, I, you know, however that works out, it always feels like that ends up uh, being part of the deal with every class. So I could, I could see that. And I, I do think, you know, the loss of Francois and, and Gray, uh, we're talking about defensive back specifically, that changed the way you have to recruit this class a little bit. I mean, you got you to gotta maybe take a few more D, uh, another DB or two than you, than you would have, I would think, uh, from the outset. And uh, so it makes sense that they've been loading up on some guys recently. I also think in this weird cycle, it really is testing coaches' ability to long-term evaluate you know, you have to have like a read on a guy without seeing him at all these summer camps and stuff like that. And I think some of these guys we're talking about, um, had they had the normal opportunity to go camp at places like Ladarius Webb Jr., um, I could see guys like that picking up recruiting steam in a hurry and kind of blowing up this summer, but they just don't get that opportunity. Um, DiCaprio Boodle back in the day is a good example of that. He got offered by Nebraska in the at a summer satellite camp where he didn't have a lot on the table at that point. And so I think some of those guys are maybe falling through the cracks for those who aren't good evaluators. Um, and Nebraska fans just hope the Huskers uh, got it right with these, these DBs they're taking. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things that uh, I wrote about is that we've talked Travis Fisher since he's got here has had to kind of rebuild that defensive back room and, they took four guys in each of the last two cycles and they might end up taking a fourth year because through attrition and then through changes of position like Javen Wright, you know, they've just had to, to shuffle some names around and some guys around. I'll be curious what that final number actually ends at uh, with some of these defensive backs, but 
I, I know that I feel like I sound like a broken record when I, I say this, but I really do trust that Travis Fisher in terms of evaluations, probably as much, if not more than any other coach on this staff, just because of what he compiled at, at UCF and, and what he was able to do in a short amount of time so far here at Nebraska. So I, I don't necessarily think a whole lot about where some of these guys end up ranked. It's more or less, he sees the specific attributes that he's looking for. And, and I trust that the, the development will follow. All right. Well, let's take a, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we will get into, we've been counting down our most indispensable Huskers. Uh, last week, BC and I and Brunch uh, jumped in late. We got into 25 to 21 uh, on the list. This week, we'll go from 20 to 16. Some familiar names, some arguments, I think, upcoming. Uh, so that'll be good stuff. Stick around to the Husker 24-7 podcast. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy. And we are back. All right. I teased it. I promised it. Gentlemen, let's just jump right into it. Do you have your list ready? Are you ready to go? If I called on either one of you right now to tell me your number 20 player, would you be able to do it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Well, Brunts, we're going to start with you. Caleb Tanner. All right. We talked about Caleb Tanner last week. You have him at number 20. Yeah. What uh, what do you want to add to the Caleb Tanner discussion? I, I don't know that I have a ton to add. Um, that th- this portion of my list, like the oh, I don't know, like seventeen to twenty five, is very linebacker heavy, and I think that part of that's a reflection of the young depth um, that that is on the roster. And again, I always kind of approach this list as you know if an injury happened or a guy wasn't, wouldn't be able to play, you know, how, how much are you hitting the panic button? And, you know, I, I think Nebraska would be okay. Uh, but, you know, I, I think Caleb Tanner is a guy that Nebraska needs to see if this is the year for him. He's played in 24 games. He had a, an uptick in his production last season. He needs to have another big uptick uh, this coming year. So he is my number 20th. Uh, just ahead of Garrett Nelson, who hired at number 21. All right, BC, what you got? Uh, I have DeAndre Thomas. Um, 
I think he's going to be a key part of the rotation. I think his reps go up considerably this year. He's got experience, although I like the young D lineman and definitely Eric Chenander and Tony Tuioti do too. I still feel like Thomas, he's a fourth-year guy now, gives you that um, that guy who's who's been around and been through some things and, and um, I felt was going to launch off the pad last year, and it didn't quite happen as I expected, but I'm – maintaining my stock that we see some sort of launch this year have you been buying more stock or are you just gonna you content with the stock that you have i'm holding steady i'm not i'm not up upping my stock or yeah i'm not buying more and i am sort of in but i've put a lot into this i've i've been patient let's stay patient a little bit longer okay uh, Brunt mentioned him as his number 21. I have him at number 20. That is where Garrett Nelson sits for me. I, uh, I'm very intrigued by what Garrett Nelson can bring to Nebraska's outside linebackers. Like Brunt's, I kind of just don't know what to do or how to rank some of these guys. I do think that Nelson's going to play a lot. Uh, I anticipate that, you know, I think I, I said this last week, the big thing for him was going to be slowing the game down so he knows what he's supposed to do mentally because I think physically he's as – put together as any of the outside linebackers that they have. And I, I think that he has uh, some real strengths that he can provide out there, but it's, it's got to come for him mentally. And he would have been the first to tell you that at the end of last season. So that was going to be his big focal point. We'll see where he is at. All right. I can kick it off with my number 19. I have Bryce Benhart here. Uh, I don't know. I think he's a little bit higher in our total list. Uh, maybe not. Maybe 19's where he fell. Lower. Okay. I no, I, same. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I I think that Bryce Benhart is uh, going to be an important part of Nebraska's offensive line and really kind of their offensive line future. This is a guy that I'm really excited to to, to be able to see play, having heard a lot about. And I just think that one of the things that's really going to help him out is that he doesn't have to worry about wrestling anymore. He's focused on football. He's been able to spend a lot of time with Frank Ferducci and really working on the, the tackle aspect, aspect. Nebraska recruited him specifically to play right tackle. I think that's important too. And I think he's going to be a big part of this team going forward. So he debuts for the first time on this list at 19. And I expect that'll be the lowest that I have him going forward. Yeah, he's probably going to be a top – 10 guy, maybe top five guy as, re, as soon as next year. Um, at 19, I had Damian Daniels, who actually is on our website today. He was 18th in our total list. Um, I feel like that's about right, high teens. Um, that's also the number of snaps that he was kind of taking each game last year, about 18 or 19 on average. And I think the key for him is, and this whole defensive line is if he can get into the 30s, with his snap count, I think Nebraska's in a really good place because then you've got Jordan Riley and hopefully Keem Green, and, you know, you can move Ty Robinson around to different places. I think they can uh, – you can manage a full game pretty well if he gives you a few more miles. Um, so that's the big question with him. When he plays, I think he's been pretty sturdy, sometimes really good. It's just a matter of can we see more of him. My, uh, my, my number 19 is also on the defensive line. It's Ty Robinson. Um, and maybe I should have had him higher on my list after the, uh, the Zach Duvall videos that were posted yesterday. Because uh, of his hair? 
because of the hair, and he looks like at a uh, as a redshirt freshman what you would expect a defensive lineman that was coveted by a lot of the top programs in the country to look like. Like, I was trying to think of a defensive lineman who that early in his career looked like that, and I don't even, like I don't even know that Adam Character did, and. I think his value is obviously, you know, I think he's going to win the defensive end job. I think he's also got the size to play inside uh, if they need him to. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, when you talk about that 19 class, they need uh, that class to hit. And I think the guy that I kind of comes to mind needing to hit the most is Ty Robinson. Interesting. I want to go back to Damian Daniels real quickly. I'm looking at my list overall. I do not have Damian Daniels on it, and I did not have Jakeem Green on it. I don't know what I think is going to happen with nose tackle. There's not going to be one. That's such an important position, and I feel like it's probably a little bit of an error for me to not have either of those guys on it. But I, I really don't know who it's going to be as the first guy off the – you know, it could be Jordan Riley. Like, I, part of why I probably didn't list it is that I feel like there's three guys and they might mix and match depending on the situation who's actually going to get the bulk of the snaps uh, going forward. But I, I'm curious. I, I think Damian Daniels has the most potential out of that group, but he's also probably been the most frustrating uh, at times for people because it just hasn't been there consistently. So that'll be a, a big thing for him. All right. Uh, any? Do you guys have thoughts on on that at all on the the nose tackle position just in general? It's yeah, a, I think it's up it's up in the air. I think the common trade amongst guys you rate sixteen for twenty five is sort of that. With some of them, there isn't. You're not quite sure. Uh, they're they're kind of known names at dinner tables across Nebraska because they some of them have played uh, or they've heard a lot about them in recruiting. But I feel like the guys who are showing up in this portion of the list there's still that part where you know that if they were lost, it would hurt the team, but it's hard to measure exactly how much. I like the idea of a Norman Rockwell type setting in the state of Nebraska comes into a dinner table where everybody's passing around the, <laughs> the coleslaw and mashed potatoes and just kind of some idle, some, some idle chatter. And, and mom, mom leans over to, to, to one of the kids and says, so do you think Keem Green's got it in him to make a run at the starting job? <laughs> wow. As the Dorothy Lynch is passed across the table. Yeah, and give me a little Dorothy with that. <laughs> Did we ever discuss how I tried the Dorothy Lynch on a hot dog for once? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's in that radio commercial that always happens whenever they played like the, the baseball games. He's the, the spectators calling the guy a hot dog, and then he probably says that he puts Dorothy Lynch on him. And Yeah. Do you not know this commercial? They played it every baseball game. I, I try not to put Dorothy Lynch on much, and especially not hot dogs. I tried it. It's not terrible. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Surprised they didn't include that, uh, <laughs> that great review in the commercial. <laughs> yeah, well. All right. Uh, Dorothy Lynch probably out as a sponsor of the Husker 24-7 podcast. Uh, moving forward, I at number 18, this is a guy that I'm trying to buy up any available stock that I possibly can. I'm very high on. I think that he could end much higher on the year-end list at BC, and I were talking about how we might do going forward. 
Uh, I have Braxton Clark here at number 18. I think he's going to be one of the most important defensive backs. I think he fills in the Lamar Jackson role. I think they kind of want that power forward cornerback uh, that can play physical and, and take away some of the big receivers in the conference, uh, guys that, you know, try to use their body to get open. I think Braxton Clark is going to have a big, big season. I really do. And and uh, that's, that's the guy I have at number 18. And if you're selling any of that stock, I want to buy it. Yeah, if there's a guy I regret not having on mine, it's probably Braxton Clark. I think that's a good spot for him. Um, I had Travis Vokalik at 18. There's been a lot of uh, off-season momentum behind his name. Um, some of it I wondered about, like, okay, is this real or is this one of these things we're kind of building up too much? And then you sat at the round table listening to Sean Becton, and you realize that Vokalik – I don't know. Him and Stoller 1A, 1B, it's hard to say who's who necessarily just yet. But he's right even with Stoll, if not ahead of him. And uh, he's really a massive guy. Um, I think he's 260-plus now. And he was thought of as a very good receiving weapon. But the thing he's worked on over the last year out of our view is his blocking. He really had to come a long way in that aspect. And apparently they think he has. So – you're taking a little bit of a leap of faith here, but I think uh, some of you even had him higher. So um, I had Vocal look at 18. I have a much higher, uh, and I probably will look foolish because of it, but I, I think he could be a real big part of the offense this year. And I'll get to that more when we get to him, whenever that is in like six weeks. Uh, I've got Luke, <laughs> Luke McCaffrey at number 18. Uh, maybe a little low, but I, I think, you know, his – I think he's going to be the backup quarterback. I mean, I, I as much as we want to talk competition, I, I still think it's going to be Adrian Martinez. I think what McCaffrey does is I think it allows Nebraska to perhaps call their offense a little bit more with Martinez running the ball out of design than by necessity. Um, I, I also think that, you know, from what we heard from Mario Verdusco and some other Nebraska coaches that McCaffrey has really taken a step forward as a, a, a passer, which is huge. He's obviously athletic. Uh, the, the question I have is if he's the backup quarterback, what does that mean for any other role that he might have in the offense? I think it probably limits him a little bit. I don't think you're going to see him out at wide receiver a ton, but uh, I, I think he's too good of a player to not be on this list. Yeah, I, I agree. I had him a little bit lower than you do, but I, I think that he could have a nice kind of role carved out for uh, his season, for sure. Uh, Brunt, who do you got at 17? Uh, Markel Dismuke is my number 17. Uh, a guy who may have been uh, underappreciated, I think, by fans. Um, a guy who, um, you know, I think is – more important in the defense in terms of just getting everything set up. I think he also is kind of that enforcer over the middle. Uh, and, you know, playing next to Deontay Williams this year rather than kind of the rotating cast of characters uh, he saw last year, I think will help him. But I think he's tremendously important for Nebraska's defense and, and uh, maybe one of the moral, more overlooked guys on my list. Did you, was he even on your guys' list? Mark, uh, yeah, I – I had him pretty high. Did you? Okay. Maybe, maybe yeah, I you, was a strong you man. Had him, you had him the lowest out of all three of us. So. Whoa. Okay. 
Yeah. Never mind. Stop acting like you're in the Mark Dismuke fan club when Schaefer and I are decidedly have. Hey, BC, do you even have Wondell Robinson on your list? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I have uh, Luke McCaffrey at 17. So Brunts went over McCaffrey pretty well. I actually think, though, it was interesting where Brunts was saying how he thinks his role would be limited at receiver. I agree with that on the surface because that's what it seems like should happen. But I sort of have him on this list because I think they're not going to be able to resist putting him on the field. It's going to be one of those deals where you might have to just take a chance and put your backup QB out there in some different spots because I think he's that type of player and he's from that type of family where it's like get get this guy the ball some in some way, somehow. And whatever talk there is in camp, I'll be interested if they stick with just the QB thing once the games are showing up and they think of interesting ways they could use them. By different spots, do you mean Nebraska will trot him out as a kick returner? <laughs> Maybe not to that level, but I do, I do think, like, you could you see him as a changeup at quarterback from Martinez on occasion. And I do think I, some wide receiver, I have to think, is going to be part of it. And maybe that's just me being stupid on it, but I I don't think they'll be able to stop themselves from it. No, I, I think you're right. I think that they will find different ways to to utilize Luke McCaffrey and that athleticism because you're right, it's going to be tantalizing. And especially when there might be times they need a boost or they need a big play and that might be where that could potentially come from. But uh, like you guys, I also think that Adrian – will be the quarterback. All right, my 17, BC already covered with DeAndre Thomas. My 16, Brunt's already covered with Markel Dismuke. Uh, just quickly on those guys, I, I won't be selling stock to the BC of DeAndre Thomas. I think he's a good player, and, and I thought the breakout was coming last year. Uh, for Nebraska's sake, hopefully it comes this year. I, I've liked him since he was a recruit. I think that there's a, a better season for him out there than what we've seen so far. Uh, and he's had a very interesting kind of three years at Nebraska. And so we'll see if he kind of breaks out in year four. And then Markel Dismuke did have a breakout in year four. And he got a, he got to play a lot. He was a key part of that defense. Um, you know, I, I think that he's an important part in their, their secondary. And really, to be honest, when their safeties are going to be Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams, we got to see that for all of like half of a quarter. I think that that could be a pretty interesting and strong pairing for Nebraska in the defensive secondary. All right, BC, who you got at 16? Yeah, I Jack stole at 16. I don't know who's ahead between him and Volkolek or who will be. Uh, I, I'm surprised you even listed of, him. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> I, tend to, uh, I tend to go with the veterans on this stuff. Um, it feels like sometimes when we get all excited about the guy who's just – you know, the newcomer, and so it's like a year or so away. And so, and also Stoll has probably played maybe more snaps than anybody in this program. And so just with that experience and everything uh, that goes with it, um, I do think there's areas he needs to take a step up this year. Uh, but I, I definitely think he's on the top 20 in this list because of just how much value he brings from just his wealth of knowledge of the system. I could uh, see him also being a team captain. That'll be interesting how that goes. But he seems like one of those guys who could be in the running. Brunts, finish it off. I asked, uh, Jack Stoll is also number 16 for me. Uh, ah. I kind of went with uh, 
the established guy, I think Vokalek going to play a ton. I think they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel this year uh, with those two. So it, it's – I probably could have had each of those guys right next to each other. But, um, you know, Stoll's interesting, though. I think he probably gets overlooked from a production standpoint a little bit. You haven't had the explosive plays, but in terms of receptions, he's actually pretty close to uh, – I think he needs 28 to to set uh, or to break Mike McNeil's record uh, as the tight end at Nebraska with the most catches in his career. So maybe something to watch uh, record-wise there this season. Mike McNeil was criminally underutilized in 2009. That's my Mike McNeil thought. He also got mad at me for something I wrote in the DN once. Did you deserve it? (laughs) Uh, I wrote in the column that he went as the invisible man for Halloween because nobody saw him in the month of October because Nebraska just wasn't throwing him the ball. And he thought it was unfair, given that he could not throw the passes to himself. So That is pretty unfair of you, Mike. It was unfair. It was a good line. I'm proud of the line. Um, Probably wasn't deserved, though. Jerk store, that's the line. (laughs) All right, any final thoughts? No. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, well. Such enthusiasm. We hope to maintain that the rest of this week. Uh, We'll be back, hopefully, with another podcast this week. You're listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. New CBS Monday. NCIS is back. We need all hands on deck. So grab your gear. NCIS! And join our elite team. What about the charges? Murder. New cases to be solved. Double tap to the chest. Same caliber as the murder weapon. And new criminals to catch. That's the bomb maker. Where's the bomb? A new NCIS, Monday, 9, 8 central, on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.